0: Today is a celebratory day for fans of the most majestic of college sports. However, Iowa State fans must live with the unfortunate reality of being left out of the festivities, at least in any direct sense. For yet another season, we Cyclones are devoid of a D1 baseball team to fill the stands for. For the second year, though, Iowa State fans at least get to have an alternative. Thanks to a former Iowa State softball player, Leah Nelson, and the West Virginia Barstool account. For those of you who don't know the story, after March Madness ended last season, our own Barstool ISU tweeted that we didn't have any sports to cheer for until football, which Leah simply quote tweeted and said, well, this is awkward. This tweet, of course, went viral, and the West Virginia Barstool account decided to adopt our softball team as their own because West Virginia has no softball team. It naturally followed that our own softball program would begin to cheer for West Virginia baseball, and the two teams earned the unofficial nickname the Cycloneers. Both teams happened to be playing road series at Oklahoma State at the same time, and our softball program was able to attend the baseball game between West Virginia and OSU thanks to the West Virginia team getting them tickets to the game. From that point in the season, Iowa State softball, who had been underperforming, especially in conference play, turned their season around, stringing together multiple series wins against ranked opponents. The teams even sent each other jerseys signed by the roster of the other team. The legacy uh, of the 2024 NCAA baseball season, uh, and until Jamie Pollard finally gives Iowa State the long-awaited return of baseball, will be us cheering for the Cycloneers and singing Sweet Country Roads. Cyclones baseball begins their season tonight in a series against Stetson first pitch at 5:30 Central. Today is Friday, February 16th. I'm Matt Menson and welcome to the Cornfield Sports Pod. Blake, yes. college baseball starts today and I've been counting down the days to this one for a long time and Jamie Pollard still hasn't given me a team. He, but we're spending a bunch of money on Cy town and a bridge.
1: Yep, no, he, he has no intentions. He has he has no intentions of
0: ring back baseball.
1: And this, and this, we know very well.
0: Yeah, we know it very well. And Major L. Jamie Pollard,
1: because because in an interview, he said before that what he wants to do before before he leaves Iowa State is renovate Hilton Coliseum. Nothing nothing in there saying about baseball. And like, I mean, maybe Hilton maybe the Coliseum athletic, has
0: its own need for renovations, but like, maybe give the athletic us director
1: uh, after Jamie Pollard, that's gonna be like. That's going to be like 10, 20 years down You the know way.
0: what? You know what needs renovations more than Hilton Coliseum does? Cap-Tim Field. Because, you know, Cap-Tim Field has the old press box now, and that's, that's all that remains of it, aside from the playing field itself that club baseball uses. Uh, there's no stands there anymore. The, the stands are all gone. Um, club baseball deserves better. Club baseball deserves better. Iowa State University deserves better. Oh. We deserve a D one baseball program.
1: See then, see then. If we win, if we win like a big game at at, at uh, Captain Field, if I said it right. Yeah. Like then we could just celebrate by going down to Welch.
0: Exactly. How's,
1: how's that sound?
0: And in that case, Welch would be on our way back home. Exactly. You can't like not go to Welch then.
1: No. now going back to the cycle near thing, Leah Nelson, the greatest thing to happen to ISU softball.
0: That was the feel good story in sports last year. It was. Um, but yeah, no, I I'm very excited, of course, to to cheer on the Cyclone years in this coming season. So. I uh, it's, it's the best I can do since we don't have any actual Iowa State baseball. Pollard.
1: Well, if we're talk if we're talking about softball, let's uh. I want I want to recap uh softball from this weekend and give a little outlook. Let's do it. Uh, on on their trip to Mexico, uh, when when you last saw us, uh, they were playing. They're playing against the number seven Washington, which they lost to, and then they had a win against Long Beach State. Uh, today they'll play doubleheader against uh, UC Santa Barbara and UNLV. Uh, tomorrow they'll face uh, UC Santa Barbara, and then Sunday versus Bradley.
0: Yeah, they got uh, they got a busy slate here to start the year off.
1: Yeah, this they're they're on another one of their trips, uh, like
0: in uh, UNLV. That's, I mean, that's that's the way the uh, the season starts though, is with all these uh, tournaments, yeah. these road tournaments, because mm-hmm. it's not like we're doing conference series to start the year. Um, I mean, the well, it's too cold to play games up here right now. We got snow on the diamond. Oh, if you want to play in the snow. Yeah, I I, I don't think they want to play in the snow. Yeah. That uh, the the dirt on the field get kind of muddy. Um. But when it comes to sports that don't have to be played in the snow, uh, there's been a lot of great basketball action in Hilton Coliseum recently. Oh, boy. Uh, let's let's start with the men. Uh, Win versus TCU, where they shot 50% from the field and 42% from beyond the arc. Um, dude, our, our offense, for a slow-moving game, our offense was on fire. Because mm-hmm. uh, that's, that's something that just doesn't happen. Um, and yet, like I said, slower-moving game. Uh, we ran the shot clock down to about six, five, four seconds pretty frequently. Um, but Trey King and Keyshawn Gilbert, among the starters, great days. They both were in double digits. And then Curtis Jones was also in double digits off the bench. Uh, they led the scoring for that. And then Bob Jones had eight points as well. So it was a good day, good day for Iowa State offense for, for a slow-moving game. But the, the big story of that game, and for the last week as a whole, has been the Iowa State defense. Um, because TCU was held to below 30% from the three-point arc. We were forcing them into tough shots. Um, and then you can't really attribute our defense to this, but TCU couldn't make a shot from the free-throw line either. They shot only 50% from the stripe in Hilton Coliseum. And, I mean, Blake, if you had told me a team was going to do that, I would have thought it would have been us. Because we've had a number of games this year where our own free throw shooting has hamstrung us, but it wasn't this one. Yeah, definitely. No, we caught a break on this.
1: And I'm glad I'm glad this was a game that we did.
0: Uh yeah, no, for sure. Um but yeah, that's that was definitely a thing. And that was a that was a thread in the Cincinnati game too, is the defense. We'll we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. Uh any anything else on the TCU game here before we move on to, to Cincinnati?
1: This was one game uh, that we did play uh, Juicy Wiggle twice, which I'm honestly not, not a fan of because that is honestly how we ruined the song for the Hilton crowd.
0: You know what? I I reluctantly agree because I love that song. I don't want it to get old. Like I, You don't overplay it, um, but you also can't not play it either. And, I mean, you you know the guy that uh, does the 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 sound at Hilton Coliseum if and
1: I'm, if I'm wrong, then I'm wrong, but but it's it's been Jeff for me, Yeah. because, because he usually makes that call,
0: yeah, but it, it's like playing it twice, yeah, okay. It loses its specialness the second time. um, but not but having it not play sometimes and having it not be a tradition. it gains power from being a tradition to play it once at every game. So let's never go back to where we just didn't play it at every game either. I think that was a terrible idea, and that wasn't gonna make it go old. That made it become tradition.
1: Well, for and the fight
0: song hasn't gotten old, and we play that twenty times a game.
1: <laughs> well, you got me there, but uh, for you're darn right I do. Well, uh, for like the non-conference games, like for basketball, that we just like pretty much have a blowout, then then like, and then it doesn't end up playing. Like because the opposing coach doesn't call a
0: timeout. I guess like I, I understand not playing it if we're getting the break speed off of us, but uh, tell me when the last time that happened in a men's game at Hilton Coliseum was. We're undefeated at home this year. Yeah. Um, and I mean, if you look at our women's game, I guess yeah, Oklahoma was beating the brakes off of us yeah. just last week. But you know, we'll get to that in a little bit.
1: And that's why I stand behind like us needing the feeling of actually earning like, earning the song.
0: Like, we earn it. like You gotta earn it, but at the same time, it's like, okay, as long as you're not getting the break speed off of you, because maybe you're down in a close game, but, like, sometimes that's, like, th- that energy that it gives, because the, the players are just as energized by it as we are, and, and, and sometimes I, I legitimately think that that helps, uh, and that's not just in basketball. I think that that applies just as equally to, uh, to, to volleyball as well, I think the number of times that, especially last year, uh, in the the uh, the the twenty twenty two season, um, because there was a lot of times it took us a while before we had a three set game at Hilton Coliseum. Everything was in four sets. You play the Juicy Wiggle after the third set, and what do you do? You you win the fourth one. And it was it was very repetitive in that way.
1: Well, if you play the Juicy Wiggle like like just before the fourth set, like there's no timeout promotions. There like there's there's no promotions because it's not guaranteed. So that that gives that gives us the space we need to play it, like in that position,
0: right. but they should have that time. I, I think they should have the time carved out for it, regardless. But I think that it I, that that shouldn't be something that they're gonna depend on promote. And the thing is the number of times that we play the fight song, you could cut one of them out and play juicy <laughs> wiggle instead because that's not a promotion. There's no dollars riding on that. So uh, that's you know pr- promotions are I, I, in my opinion. Are a pretty poor excuse. And I mean, I love the pet band, but you know what? Let's give them a, a little bit longer of a breather at some point. Uh, you know, save their chops. Some of them are, in, are not just in pet bands, some of them also do other stuff for bands. So, you know, let them uh, save their jaw muscles.
1: Save their ears from the drum set, too.
0: Yeah, that too. Drum set gets kind of loud. Uh, anyway, let's go back to talking about actual sports. Um, win against Cincinnati. Um, in Cincinnati, uh cincinnati's got a good team this year but they've been dwelling near the bottom of the big 12 just because of how good this league is um i think the big 12 is one of only two leagues that cincinnati would not be in the top half of and the big east is the other one yeah so um but, but uh, yeah,
1: this showing this this game shows that matt menson chili is better It it's always been better
0: than skyline oh yeah for sure on a on a my chili on its worst day is at least ten times better than Skyline on its best day. But like I said, let's let's talk about actual sports here. <laughs> uh, Cincinnati, uh, we were a defensive nightmare for Cincinnati. Uh, they turned the ball over twenty-five times. Twenty-five.
1: And the ESPN announcers just kept riding on that. It's like it's like turnover, turnover, another one.
0: That's that's something that our, our defense has been dominant at the entire year. And if you look at turnover margins uh, that compare all of the D1 teams, uh, we have the highest uh, turnover-forced ratio, I believe, in the country right now. Mm. Um, and then up there with us is Houston. So um, Houston's a little bit better at not giving the ball up than us. But And that's going to make for a really good matchup here on Monday. Oh, yeah. uh, but before we can start looking at Houston... Uh, we've got another one against Texas Tech tomorrow. Uh, this one's going to be a big one. They just came off a huge win versus Kansas. Uh, they absolutely beat the brakes off Kansas, beating them by 29. And that was at Allen Fieldhouse, wasn't it? No, it wasn't at Allen No, that Fieldhouse. was in Lubbock? Yep. Okay. Um, and, and I'm as I was writing for this, I, I was thinking, you know what? This could be a good opportunity to catch Texas Tech in a hangover game, except it might not be. Because there's some other factors that would cause Tech to be very attentive to this game. Um, the, the first of which is, one, we're a better opponent than Kansas this year. Um, so it, it's hard to have a hangover game from a from one opponent uh, when your next opponent is someone that you're more likely to be focusing on if you have to choose between the two anyway. Uh Tech stands immediately behind us in the conference standings, and a win will uh, a win will cause a tie that they will hold tiebreaker. Uh, so they've got a little bit of extra fuel to the fire for this game, and then we also are running the risk of looking ahead to the Houston game, which is something that we need to be leery about. Um, so th- this one, like this, this is the kind of game that makes me a little bit nervous about the perfect storm for Texas Tech to come in and get a road win in Hilton Coliseum. And do I think that that's going to happen? No, I still think the Cyclones are going to win this. We're the better team, and you know Hilton Magic is still Hilton Magic. But I think that this game might be a little bit closer than people think. I think that Iowa State might barely walk away with this one because I think Texas Tech is going to come in ready to go. Yeah. Uh, and then Blake, we got one more game in this next week here at Houston.
1: This one just got moved to Big to Big Monday on ESPN. Which, ESPN
0: was intelligent and flexed this one because they realized it was going to draw a lot of eyeballs. Yep, and
1: so they didn't they didn't resort to 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 rando ACC teams, thank, mm-hmm. thankfully.
0: Yep, and if we beat Tech, this is going to be a top ten matchup because we're almost certainly will go up in the rankings uh, if we beat Tech. Now, if we lose to Tech, we're probably going to drop. But uh, you know, North Carolina and Kansas, with them having losses ahead of us in this last week here. Uh, we're in a good position to climb up at least a couple spots in the rankings, if not more. Texas uh, Texas Tech would be a fantastic win, uh, and then Cincinnati is still a high quality win as well. So, and then this one's going to have some pretty major major seating implications for the NCAA tournament and the Big Twelve tournament, and, and and so will the Texas Tech one because if we beat Texas Tech, we're we're very likely to be seated above them in the Big Twelve tournament. But if we beat Houston and Texas Tech, we're almost we're we're pushing the point of being a lock as the number one seed in the big 12 tournament uh, and then we're also looking at potentially being a two seed in march madness um right now we're we're on that three line um there's some talk that with the big 12 you know having the parity that it does and being able to do the kind of damage that it's capable of doing uh that you know a couple of poorly timed losses especially one in early on in the big 12 tournament could cause us to uh Drop back down to that four seed line, but uh, right now we're we're in a good spot with that three seed line, and you know we we have the potential to to capture a, a two seed, or you know if if we were blessed enough to to win out, potentially even a one seed.
1: When was the last time we were a two seed?
0: I don't remember off the top of my head. Like it's been, like it's literally a not long time. In either of our memories. It, it's not within my memory. Um. But, yeah, Iowa State's in a great place uh, set up for success right now. Uh, women's basketball, on the other hand, is not looking so good. Uh, I don't know if I'd even have them in the tournament right now, in, in the NCAA tournament. I don't know what Charlie Cream's got them at. He's the only prominent women's bracketologist. They've
1: they've got to be in the tournament.
0: I don't know. Right right now, at 14-9, fifth in the Big 12, that's got to be bubble. That's at, at least bubble. Maybe in, but barely. They're not looking. They're not looking great right now. Um, I mean, that loss against Oklahoma was really damaging too, uh, because especially on the defensive end of the ball, oh yeah, we just looked terrible. Um, the yeah, it was distinct lack of defense in the sibling rivalry. It, it 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 stung a little bit that Aubrey played better than Kelsey did in that game. Kelsey still played good defense. She was one of the the few players for Iowa State that I would say uh, still played decent defense in that game. Um, but for the most part, we were repeatedly missing assignments, leaving shooters open. Uh, and we just generally looked sluggish going up and down the floor, uh, sluggish to set screens in this game, uh, sluggish moving off of uh, defensive screens. Stuff just, it, it was not going for us. The energy was not there. Um, and I, I think that after this game, Bill kind of drilled that into them because effort looked like a problem in that game. And, you know, when we played K-State here uh, went this last Wednesday night, it was the stark opposite. All of the descriptions that we would give to the Oklahoma game did not apply to the K-State game. Not at all. A- um, but, I mean, the, the stuff that I got written down here uh, went against K-State here. Our defense was aggressive. We forced the Cats to make difficult shots. We moved quickly. Um, you know, the, the, our conditioning in this game looked a lot better. We found ways to score against a very tough K State defense. I'm, I'm looking at this defense. I'm watching this game, right? And K State's got a good defense. They they had good matchups against us. They were good at staying on their matchups. They were good at playing aggressive. They were good at staying tight, uh, keeping their defenders tight to us without fouling. It made it tricky for us to get to the uh to the bucket a lot of the time. Um, but. A lot of times when we were able to get to the bucket, uh, it did result in foul calls. Uh, we ended up shooting 36 free throws as a team. And how many did we make? 31. And uh, combined here, our two best free throw shooters on the night, Addie Brown and Emily Ryan. Addie was 8 for 8. Emily Ryan was 10 for 10. Uh, that's a combined 18 for 18 from those two players from the stripe.
1: I think we need to hold a free throw clinic for our men's team.
0: Uh, potentially i I would not uh decline that I think that 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 it's not the stupidest idea I've ever heard um
1: you know while explaining this game, you also forgot to mention that this was double overtime
0: uh, yeah yeah that that was only a little bit important. you know we come off come off that Oklahoma game where our conditioning looked poor, and then we looked our conditioning looked good in a double overtime oh, game yeah. um but yeah it, and through that through that second half and and into overtime. You know, K-State was able to stay into it and, and stay with us because they were making very difficult shots. Um, you know, That was uh, one of the things I saw a lot, especially in, in the post. Uh, Audi was forcing them to take hard shots over the top, uh, and they were all tightly contested. Now, when you make a good shot and you make a hard shot, there's not a whole lot more your defense can do, and K-State was having success, but it just wasn't enough for them to win the game because our defense was still good um and then kelsey jones had one of her better performances of the year i think it was her best one during conference play um scored 13 points was leading scorer off the bench uh including three for four from the three-point line and four for four from the free throw line uh so she was another perfect free throw shooter on the night and then you know 75 percent from from downtown great night for kelsey uh, it was a good good comeback on the offensive side of the ball for her after uh, the Oklahoma game, where she was relatively quiet on the offensive side of the ball. Um, and then Blake, our next game here.
1: Next game will be at Texas tomorrow. Like another top ten, another top ten matchup, and this this one's on the road, so you know it's that much harder.
0: Yeah, and and a while back, back in December, uh, Texas lost Rory Harmon to a season-ending injury, and Rory Harmon was their best player, and I had begun to wonder if that they might start to collapse about that because that team was built around Rory Harmon, and boy was I wrong about that. Uh, the, the the horns have they've formed tighter together, uh, they've gelled uh they they're playing great team ball. Their teamwork has been excellent in the the stuff that I've seen. They've won their last 5 games. They're 10 and 3 in Big 12 play and that uh last uh 5 wins here includes ranked wins against both K-State and Baylor. Um Texas is looking like a very dominant team in the big uh in the Big 12 right now. Uh if I was going to predict anybody to win it right now, I would say Texas would win the league. Um but yeah, this one's this one's going to be a very tough road test for our ladies. The Moody Center is hard to win in. Yeah.
1: On the bright side, we moved we moved up from the most poverty of TV networks onto ESPN. The oil
0: TV. money network is poverty. P- poverty. The oil money network is poverty. Okay, that one's uh, that's an interesting description. I'd, I'd call them the, the the snotty rich boy TV network, but S- snotty
1: rich boy TV network. Yep. We're not even going to call it what it is.
0: No, like. we're not. We're not going to give it that. It doesn't deserve that. Not after they used it to almost destroy the Big 12. No. Uh, but yeah, our the game got flexed to ESPN2, which means we'll actually be able to watch it. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh wrestling. Ooh, wrestling. Wrestling, we've had uh, uh some stuff to talk about here. Um First off, before we get to the results of the last one, I guess everyone decided to bleach their hair, but not everyone decided to.
1: So that most, was a thing. So most of the team uh, showed up as Eminem.
0: Yeah. Anyway, do you have you heard anything about the backstory behind that? Because I haven't. I haven't either. I, I'm kind of interested to see what that was, or if they just decided to do it randomly.
1: All I saw was Jackie on Cyclone Fanatics say, say like, guys, they're all blonde. I was like, yeah. and then everyone else was like, oh, they're just they're just coming up to a slim shitty M&M. Yeah,
0: no, that's uh that that's wild. Um but yeah, results on the duel against UNI here. Uh 125 pounds. We didn't win this one. Trevor Anderson defeated uh 24th ranked Kyson Terrakina. Uh that was followed up with a big win from Evan Frost. He defeated uh 24th ranked Julian Farber in a six minute and nine second tech fall. Um Followed that up with a ranked win, a uh, top 10 ranked win at 141. Anthony Ekamendia did defeat sixth-ranked Kale Happel. I did not think that that was going to happen. Uh, that was a big upset win for Ecomendia, and I think that's going to shake up the rankings at 141. Uh, that That's huge in terms of Big 12 tournament seeding for him, and uh, that, a statement win like that's also going to help him uh in, in seating at the ncaa tournament when that comes around in march uh 149 pounds uh casey swiderski has got into the single digit rankings now he's ranked number seventh and he beat uh kale Ronavardi in a four minute and 58 second technical fall uh swiderski has been looking dominant lately oh yeah and the way he has developed since last year has been mind-blowing uh, he's going to be, you know, a, a, he's already a top wrestler. But like, give it, you know, next year and then and then his senior year, and and he might be a top five wrestler. I I think he's going to end up on the podium as it is this year. Uh, I I think he's going to all American, and, and the way Anthony Ekamendia just wrestled too against Kale Happel, I wouldn't be shocked if Ecomendia was on the podium. Um, you yeah, know, I'd love to see them get, uh, uh get all Americans. Evan Frost is kinda of right on that bubble right now. He's been sitting at ranked eighth for a while, but you know, maybe maybe he'll be able to get on there. Um, one fifty seven pounds. Uh fifteenth ranked Ryder Downey. Uh defeated fourth rank uh not fourth, fourteenth ranked Cody Chittum in an upset. This was another one that I did not see coming at all. Um, I thought Cody Chittum was uh much, much worse ranked than he actually is, but I guess Ryder decided to prove me wrong, and that's uh, that's how 157 pounds went. Uh, 165 pounds, second ranked David Carr, uh, surprising absolutely nobody. Tech fault, Jack Thompson in the second period. Uh, 174 pounds, 19th ranked M J Gaetan, major decision over 30th ranked Jared Sima. Gaetan's been looking good lately. Like I mean, you got any any further commentary beyond that? But Gaetan's looked aggressive lately, and you know he's. He's been going out, getting scores, getting takedowns. Um, he, he hasn't looked quite as conservative as in his in his wrestling approach as he has, uh, particularly last year. Um, and I think that aggressiveness is is rewarding him because he's getting more takedowns instead of you know waiting for another guy to get a shot in. Yeah. Just, do- just dominant showing all year. Mm-hmm. Uh, one eighty four pounds. Uh, with this one. Again, a result surprising absolutely nobody. No. Uh, top-ranked Parker Eisen for UNI uh, defeated Tate Nakiboren in a 6-minute and 39-second tech fall. I think the only thing that was surprising to anybody about this was that uh, Nakiboren lasted as long as he did. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Um, because, to be honest, I was totally expecting Eisen to pin him um, and, and pin him pretty early. And and that's no slight to uh, Nakiboren. But Parker Kekuizen is just a really, really good wrestler, um, and he, and if I had to to guess, I I think Kekuizen will uh win, uh, one eighty four pounds uh in in March. I think he's gonna end on the top of the podium. Uh, one ninety seven pounds. This one was an interesting one for me uh, because one of my friends from high school, twenty third ranked Wyatt Volker, uh, defeated uh, our Julian Brodersen. Uh, in a decision, um, I think that one was to be expected. Julian Broderson's not even ranked anymore. Yeah. Uh, and then at heavyweight, uh, Younger Bastida came out absolutely dominantly. Tech followed Adam Aronson in the first period using only takedowns. And then on his last takedown, just uh, like honestly, it was kind of adding insult to injury. Uh, four point near fall just to exacerbate the score. hmm. Um, but yeah, that accentuated an absolutely dominating victory. Younger Bastida has definitely earned that third ranked uh, spot at heavyweight, and I, I look forward to to seeing the the chance to uh, uh, to having the chance to see him wrestle some of the top ranked guys in the NCAA tournament when that rolls around. And I'm I'm excited to see him wrestle Zach Elam too when we when we host Mizzou here in a couple of weeks, yeah. or that's about, that's about a week from now, ain't it? February 25th. And today's today's the sixteenth, so it'll e- be that'd be nine days from now. It'll be next. It'll be next Sunday. Uh, yep, twenty fifth. Yep, next Sunday. So that'll be that'll be when we host the final duel against Mizzou. Uh, wrestling has nothing in between now and then because the last chance open, which was uh, scheduled for Sunday, uh, was canceled uh, due to not enough competitors. Same situation as last year. Uh, this didn't really shock me at all. There wasn't very many people there two years ago. Um. And then, yeah, final duel will be February 25th against Mizzou, and we'll finally get that David Carr and Keegan O'Toole rematch. Yep, and this will be in Hilton. It'll be in Hilton Coliseum this time. This will be the first time they faced off in Hilton Coliseum. Um, Carr is 2-1 and one against O'Toole. He beat them in duel last year. Uh, Carr beat O'Toole at the Big 12 tournament last year. And then Keegan O'Toole uh, defeated David Carr in the NCAA tournament last year on route to a first-place finish at 165 pounds. And then, of course, Bastida, uh will face Zach Elam, as mentioned. Uh, he struggled against Rocky Elam at 197, but Bastida has been looking much stronger. He's been looking faster, somehow faster at heavyweight. Uh, you don't say that about a lot of guys. Um, and to be honest, I think Rocky Elam is a better wrestler than Zach Elam anyway. Um, so... I I think Younger Bastida should be able to beat Zach Elam when that comes around, but that's going to be a matchup worth keeping an eye on because that's going to be a top 10. Uh, That should be a top 10 bout. All right. Um, Let's see. Blake, high speed wins, real quick. Yes, real quick. High speed.
1: High speed, sure. Uh, Gymnastics. I keep talking about gymnastics. I'm not stopping. Uh, they place second in a tri meet between SEMO uh, and Colorado. Uh, the only they only came behind uh, Colorado. But uh, uh, upcoming they'll have another tri meet between uh, Denver and uh, West Virginia.
0: Didn't they already have a, a meet with Denver?
1: Uh, this this will be a tri meet, but this one will be at West Virginia.
0: Okay. All right, and then tennis.
1: Uh, ten- tennis. After this, I'm leaving to scope out the match uh between our girls and the team out east, because if if the team out east wins, it's over. The sci Cy- the, the hawk series is theirs.
0: Well, in that case, win this one for us, tennis, because uh we we, we can't give uh, the team out east that uh, we we can't let them have that. No, I'll make I'll make sure we it doesn't. can't give that up. I'll make sure it doesn't happen. You better make sure it doesn't happen. Yeah. All right. Uh, we got some pro sports stuff to talk about, as always. Uh, this will be the last week that we have any gridiron action to talk about because last week was the Super Bowl. Uh, and Matt's Iowa State is sad, and I'm not, because my Kansas City Chiefs have repeated as Super Bowl champions.
1: I swear, if if Chiefs, Chiefs
0: Kingdom reigns, if
1: Chiefs go for a three-peat next year,
0: then wow, then joy to me. Joy to you is right. Joy to me, uh, because I'm gonna enjoy this dynasty while it lasts. Because as soon as Andy Reid retires, it's all over. Mm.
1: Nah, last last Sunday,
0: last Sunday I was not well. Uh, I was not well for a second, but uh, I I got over it. I'm fine now, dude the the chiefs defense in that game was fantastic yes it, coach reed was blown away mm-hmm. by how de- good our defense is because it's not it's not like san francisco was playing like bad offense in that game like san francisco has got one of the most elite offensive units in the country and like cmc didn't have a great day like cmc doesn't have bad days like he's that cmc is that talented of a running back that's what the 49ers got he doesn't have bad days, and the chiefs were able to limit him. That's a testament to the chief's defense, because CMC, uh, like I said, CMC doesn't have bad days. Um, and when it comes to you know receiving and things like that, you know, I, I think maybe the, the 49ers underutilized George Kittle a little bit. Oh, yeah, um, I did,
1: or I, th- I, think, I think they did.
0: Yeah, And I think that that's a fairly universal opinion right now. But uh, you know, you look at what they've got uh, in the wide receiver room, if you look at any wide receiver duo in the NFL, Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, if you if not the top, they're up there. And I, I think maybe you could contend that Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell are better. But can you think of any anything, anybody, anybody else, any other wide receiver duo that 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 could be better? Cause I can't. I think maybe you could make the argument that that Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill is a better duo, but I don't think you can say that absolutely. I mean, anything else come to mind? Because you look at Minnesota's got Justin Jefferson, and then their next one is Jordan Addison. Is that duo as good? I would say no. Justin Jefferson's really good, but I don't think uh, Jordan Addison's quite up to snuff. Uh, You look at the Cowboys, they've got C.D. Lamb, and then after that... Who, exactly? Um, Honestly, nothing comes to mind. Exactly. Uh, I mean that's that that's a lot of your top guys right now. Um, you look at, I mean Seattle doesn't really have anybody. They've been known for having good quality duos, even when they don't have you know a breakout a breakout star in Seattle. They didn't have they didn't have that this last year. No. Um. You know, I I I guess. You you look at I don't know, uh Puka and maybe Cooper Cup, but that didn't really go Cooper Cup didn't have a, a terrific year this last year. Um nah, I, I really don't know any other any other way to look at that right now. Debo and Iuke are are fantastic. Um but one of the things that made a huge, huge difference in this game too, outside of just, you know, the the play by play stuff, some of the strategy that went into this game. Uh, because this game is, as we know, was the second Super Bowl to go into overtime, and in the playoffs, both teams get a chance to have the ball regardless of whether or not a touchdown is scored first, which gives the advantage to the team that was on defense first, because then that team knows what they have to do. San Francisco apparently didn't realize this, and they've been on, they've been, and their their uh, players and coaches have been filmed saying such. They didn't realize that that was a rule. Yeah, and that's that's tough. The Chiefs knew that that was a rule. They they read the rule book, I guess. That's your job to know. It's that's it's not like that was hidden information. It's not like that was a secret that only the Chiefs knew.
1: No, the Chiefs the Chiefs did know this, and they've been strat they've been strategizing this since since preseason. And like you you hear those recordings, like like Mahomes is constantly saying it saying as a like we want them to get the ball first. We we want them to get it. It's like, oh, they won the toss. They won the toss. It's like it's like, no, they want they want the ball. They're gonna get the ball. Like just acting so surprised. And Travis Kelsey also heard that and he's like he's like, they want it. They want it. They can have it. They can have it.
0: Yeah, which I mean, that's just you you, you have to know what you're doing in order to to form a strategy and, and San Francisco just wasn't aware and you know, lack of awareness uh by by your team's coaching staff by your captains you know whoever's making that call uh you know that's you you got to know that that that's 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 part of your your role on the team and you know when you when you make that mistake it is detrimental to your entire team so what also was detrimental was was the 49ers
1: just losing guys left to right like lose like losing like losing guys like even before they get on the field to make a play
0: yeah it uh that's, that's another thing. I mean, injuries happen, though, in the game. It's team sport, and, you know, that's the, you got to have the next-man-up mentality. Um, and and it's, it's one thing, you know, when – and it's one thing to say that, I, I say that in this instance because, you know, San Francisco still had, you know, most of their roster out on the field. It's another thing, because we talked about this, you know, in the exact opposite sense when uh, Florida State got hammered in their bowl game, but that was because Georgia was playing their practice squad. Uh, so, cause that's that's a different team wearing the same colors. Um, but yeah, San Francisco, they the the next man up mentality, and they stayed competitive. So they they had that next man up mentality. It just wasn't quite enough. And the Chiefs, the the, the Chiefs, the next man up mentality is kind of an anomaly with the Chiefs because Kadarius Tony was scratched for this game, and that was probably an upgrade for the Chiefs because he's got butter fingers. So. That 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 probably helped the Chiefs, and I mean MVS is known to drop passes now and again, but holy smokes, does if you look when you look back at the trade deadline and the Chiefs getting McCole Hardman back from the New York Jets, you look at that in hindsight and you say, oh man, I'm glad they did that now, because thank you McCole Hardman for scoring the Super Bowl winning touchdown. Uh, that that made a huge huge difference, so that's uh. That that's a big one. All right. Um, not not too much more to to get into with that. Uh, NBA, uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves right now are looking dominant in the West Conference. Uh, in the last week here, they won at the Clippers, uh, at the Trail Blazers, twice, uh, and now they're they're thirty nine and sixteen. They're first in the Northwest. They're they're still the number one seed in the Western Conference. But look at those scores. Take another look at those scores here from from this last game. They beat the Clippers 121 to 100. They beat the Trailblazers 121 to 109, and then 128 to 91. Their offense and their defense is humming at the same time. And that is, they're winning in multiple ways, but they're also winning in both ways at the same time. This team is dominant. And if there's any team that can challenge the Celtics right now and making a, a in getting that O'Brien Trophy, the Timberwolves have got to be that team because I don't think there's a team in the Eastern Conference that can take them down.
1: Well, if you look at Trailblazers, like you would think they would, they would like rethink some stuff and and like it's like, oh, this is how we're gonna we're gonna come back the next
0: game and and perform better. The, the Trailblazers are not it this year. They're they're not competitive after they trade after they uh, traded Damian Lillard at the beginning of the season to the Bucks. Um, but yeah, week in week out, the Timberwolves they continue to look better. Their defense is not faltering at all. It's the best in the NBA. Uh, Their offense has picked up some serious steam compared to where they were at the start of the season when they were winning by defense only. And in the last week, they haven't scored less than 120 points. Minnesota actually hasn't scored less than 120 points since February 4th uh, in their win against the Houston Rockets. Um, And then here in this next week, uh, nothing to talk about really because it's All-Star Week and that's going to go across the board with the NBA here. Uh I want to talk about the Bucks here for a second and then I uh, I'll have the Bulls.
1: Yeah, I got the Bucks. Uh So, previous week they had wins against uh the Hornets and the Nuggets and a couple losses to the Heat and a shocking loss to the Grizzlies.
0: The Grizzlies suck. What are you doing?
1: Yeah, like like bro. Bucks, what the heck? Doc Rivers uh court will coordinates uh Bucks to play defense, but offense has really taken a hit as a result.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, right now the, uh, the 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 team, it just doesn't look as consistent as it typically does. Um, and now granted, before its consistency was consistently great offense and consistently bad defense. Uh, now it's inconsistency on both ends. So sometimes you get a good offense and a good defense on the same night. Sometimes you get good offense and bad defense. Sometimes you get good defense and bad offense, and sometimes you're getting bad offense and bad defense. Uh, that's what that Heat game looked like, where uh, they just looked like they didn't show up, and then that's no, they clearly didn't. And that's that that's pretty much what happened against the Grizzlies too, because that's that's how you end up in a close game against the Grizzlies in the first place, unless you're named the Detroit Pistons. And then a close game against the Grizzlies is a good night. Um, yeah, don't be the Detroit Pistons. Um. Yeah. No. Uh, upcoming Bucks is the All Star Week too. So yeah, there.
1: There's been questions up in the air, like af- like after this Grizzlies loss. But I th- I think they'll use I think they'll use this setback as motivation.
0: I mean that's that's the hope for the Bucks, not the hope for me because I want the Bucks to keep losing since I'm a Bulls fan. Uh, let's talk about the Bulls. The old Bulls. Um, not the greatest week here. Uh, they're they're still fourth in the Central, nine seed in the Eastern Conference. No changes there. Uh, they had a loss in overtime at the Magic before winning at the Hawks and then a loss, a very tight loss, at the Cavaliers. Um, but what I'm starting to get a little bit concerned about with the Bulls is the management being a little bit overconfident in their roster uh, because, again, once again, this is they've repeated this now, they were the only team not to make any moves at the trade deadline. And the intent right now the intent appears to be to re-sign Demar DeRozan following the season, the same thing they did with Nikola Vucevic last year. Um, but that leaves some serious questions about what do you do about Zach Levine? And maybe not quite as importantly, what do you do about Lonzo Ball? Because right now they're both taking up a lot of cap space and contributing little to nothing on the court. Levine's been injured more the year than not, I I think, at this point. Um, And he's commanding a pretty high payroll. And Lonzo Ball obviously hasn't played a single dribble this year. And he's taking up a pretty large uh, amount of space on the cap as well. Uh, Now, Lonzo Ball, uh, I I think, you know, when you get past this year, if he's not coming back next year, I I I think that they might declare his injury career-ending, and that's just it. Uh, and that would allow the Bulls to clear up some cap space, but uh, until they get that figured out, I, I don't see how the Bulls are going to have any chance at competing for an O'Brien Trophy. Um, but they uh, they will have some uh, some some work to do here in the next week before they get back to having any games. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's All Star Week time, so nothing here in the next week for for anybody in the NBA. Um, and then. Of course, we got we got hockey to talk to, uh, to talk about. Uh, the Wild here in the last week uh, win against the Penguins three two, win at the Golden Knights five three, win at the Coyotes three to one. They're on a four game win streak and they've won seven out of their last nine. They're definitely starting to, to find their groove after like
1: just losing it back in January.
0: Yeah, well, Blake, you know what I'm seeing as a common thread here for the Wild? Defense. Their defense has been solid. It's getting back up there. Their their defense has been solid uh and, and scoring over three goals in each one of these games here in the last week is good too but you're o- you're only allowing two goals against the penguins you only allow two goals a game that's going to win you most games they only allowed the golden knights to score three which the golden knights have a very potent offense they're one of the best teams in the nhl uh and the golden knights have uh, a great power play percentage right now so I'd be looking at that, and I'd say, you're winning 5-3 five, five to three against the Golden Knights. That's a great game. Uh, and then, of course, they only allowed the Coyotes to get one goal as well. Uh, so the Wild are playing very complete puck lately. Um, and then upcoming here in this next week, tomorrow they're going to be at home against the Sabres. Monday they're going to be at home against the Canucks. And then Tuesday they'll travel to Winnipeg uh, and play against the Jets. And then they'll get a little bit of a break. Blackhawks, Vinny's team. Vinny's, uh, Vinny's back there in the control room uh, trying to smile and just shaking his head because the Blackhawks continue to be absolutely awful. Um, they had an OTL against the Rangers, so they got one more point in the last week, Vinny. Well, they only got one. Yeah, you get to smile. They got a point. <laughs> um uh they and then they had uh, losses against the Canucks uh and the loss against the Penguins in each one of these games the Blackhawks allowed four ga- four goals to be scored uh that's a good way to not win very often um and the the game against the Penguins was the return of Connor Bedard uh who had one assist in the game which was an assist on the the Blackhawks only goal of the game and uh, Blake. What's I mean? Blake is uh, B- Connor Bedard is still one of the best best rookies in the NHL. Yeah, he's he's
1: he's still leading like after like after, after being, six weeks out. He's, yeah, after being out yeah. for six weeks, he's still leading rookies in stats. But like rookies in stats with like 15 goals and 34 points, and that's
0: that's a testament to how good Bedard is. Yeah. on his own, but one player uh, does not make a team. Well, of course not. I mean, you think even even the difference that when when Connor McDavid was drafted and was brought to Edmonton, uh, you know, he still had somewhat of a team built around turn that program around, and you think the reason that McDavid is so dangerous is because of Leon Draisaitl. Uh, you know, that's that's you could make the case that that's one of the most dynamic duos in the NHL right now is is McDavid and Draisaitl. Um and and Bedard has but Badar Vinny doesn't like that analysis. I, I I think it's a pretty good analysis. McDavid and Dry is a good duo. Uh yes, it is. Uh <laughs> um, but yeah, Bedard does not have that duo, so he doesn't he doesn't have anybody to uh to to pair that up with to to draw attention off of him. And it's it's just not working all that well in Chicago right now. Um but And the next week here, uh, tomorrow, they'll be against the Senators. Uh, They'll take a trip to Carolina to play the Hurricanes, and then they'll return back to the United Center to play the Philadelphia Flyers, which will be broadcast on TNT. Um, And then the St. Louis Blues. Uh, Blake, Vinny's got the Blues right now. Vinny's got the Blues because he's a Chicago fan. No. Um, Hi, Vinny. Vinny's slumping over, slouching in that chair right now. I made him sad. Be nice to Vinny. <laughs>
1: Don't make him quit.
0: <laughs> no, Vinny loves the show. McDavid and Dreisaitl. Um Yeah, McDavid and Dreisaitl is better, Vinny. All right. V- Vinny's salty because I said McDavid and Dreisaitl is good. Um, anyway, St. Louis Blues. Uh yeah, they've done decent here in the last week. Uh, wins at the Sabers and Canadians. Uh, before they lost at the Leafs, and then a, a home win against the Edmonton Oilers. Um, Blake, their offense this last week nuts. You see these numbers here, like especially at the Canadians and the Oilers. Like yeah, no I mean, you score three goals against the Sabers, that's good. That's gonna win you most games. But like that doesn't, that's not an eye-popping number. Then you follow that up by, by going to uh, Montreal and you put up seven goals on the road. That's good. And they only allowed two goals in that game as well. Uh, you know, I, I think after that game, they had a little bit of a hangover game where they only scored one against the oh, Leafs yeah. and they allowed four goals. But then you, you come right back to the Enterprise Center and, and score six more goals against the Oilers. And they, they won that game uh, to six to three. So yeah, that that offense is turned on here in this last week. Um and they they only outnumbered Montreal in shots 36 to 32. Um, so shot efficiency, that's a big deal because that means you're making about one out of five shots. Um uh, that means you you know your 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 offense has got to be doing a good job of screening the goaltender and, and, and things like that. Uh, so that's good stuff there from St. Louis. Uh, they had three goals in power play uh, in that one. And then the game against the Oilers was an even more extreme story because they didn't even outnumber Edmonton in shots. They, they were outnumbered by Edmonton in shots 38-30, um, which that's not exactly a formula to win games, only having 30 shots. You're definitely not going to score six goals most of the time when you do that. But again, they're scoring a goal one out of every five shots on goal. Um, and in that one as well, uh, three goals came either by power play or empty net. So here in this last week, the Blues are taking advantage of the opportunities that they're given. Um, you know, with the, the power play, empty net, whatever. That's the t- most opportune time to score goals, and the Blues are leveraging that. And that's what good teams do. Uh, you know, they're they're still sitting at, at fourth in the Central, and they're they're in a good spot right now. And then upcoming here for the Blues, tomorrow they're going to be against the Predators. Uh, Monday they get a rematch against the Maple Leafs. This time it's going to be at the Enterprise Center, and it's going to be on ESPN. And then Thursday they will host the New York Islanders. Uh, for Major League Baseball, uh, we are getting closer and closer to that season. Uh, you know, spring training's going to be getting going here before before uh, stuff too long. Some of the players are starting to report uh outfielder nick gordon uh, was traded from the minnesota twins to the miami marlins in return for left-handed pitcher stephen okert uh that's all we got uh going on with the twins uh the white Sox signed uh mike moustakas to a minor league deal uh last year he was with the angels and the rockies uh hit 247 um part of that minor league deal that he was signed with uh is he will be at the major league spring training so he'll he'll get a chance to uh to to step up and to prove himself there and to to get some big league time. You know, you hit 247 in the big leagues last year. That's not bad. Um, the uh, the Kansas City Royals. Blake, did you see the renderings for the Royals new ballpark?
1: I have not, but uh, after reading that, I kind I kind of got feels from that. You'll have to you'll have to take a look at it cuz they look pretty good. Yeah. I like that kind of that kind of brings me down a little bit cuz cuz sometimes I like driving by the by the Royals stadium.
0: Kaufman so, like, like Kauffman looks nice on the outside, but from, I, and I think you've heard the same thing, that a lot of the, the offices and stuff like that on the inside are starting to get really, really old and, and worn out and that there's uh, uh, problems, like, when it rains and stuff like that. Um, so there's, there's some issues with that. Fair enough. Um, but, yeah, the new ballpark, the, the plan is to, to put it in the location of the old uh, Kansas City Star building, which is empty, so they'd tear that down. Uh, it'd be across from the T-Mobile Center, right by the Power and Light District, uh, and it would include turning a large part of the surrounding area into like a natural, like park type of area. Uh, a lot of natural landscaping, you know, grass, trees, sidewalks, all that good stuff, um, and just develop a, a, a good business area uh, for sports and and you know for the development of that area. Maybe you uh, eventually attract. Uh, uh expansion or, or relocation from the NHL or NBA into the T-Mobile Center. So uh, that would be that would be big for Kansas City. Um and then the last the last piece of news here we got for for Major League Baseball. Uh the Brewers dealt left-handed pitcher Clayton Andrews to the Yankees in return for prospect uh Joshua Quezada, uh, who's playing in the Dominican Summer League. Last year he was 6 and 0 uh with four starts. So uh, make sure you follow the Cornfield Sports Pod on Twitter at c sports pod. Blake, where can they find you at? Find me as always at Blake Attack one eight four six. You can find me at the Menson Minute. Uh, you can find Vinny at Vinacious D uh, twenty three. Of course, tap the follow button on Spotify, the plus button on Apple, subscribe to us on YouTube, Rumble. This is Blake Peterson. I'm Matt Menson. Our producer is Vinny Cataldo, and this has been the Cornfield Sports Pod.